0: Hour of prayer. So if you'd take a moment, amen. Amen, right? So bow your hearts with me as we pray and prepare for God's word and we're encouraged together. So most high God, I thank you so much for being present with us, Lord God. I thank you that you are a living God, that you are a faithful God, that you are a God who comes and blesses your people so that we are equipped to do the work of the kingdom. Would you fall upon us now, Lord God, that we would honor you, Lord God, with our lives, Lord God, as we honor one another. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray in all God's people will say amen 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 so as you all know we've been in this series entitled, What on Earth Am I Here For? What on Earth Am I Here For? And so in this series, we've been wrestling with the idea of what's the purpose of God in our life, and how can we live out that purpose? And so we've been doing this uh, both on Sundays and also in your life groups. And so I trust that your life group experience has been encouraging and that you found some degree of fellowship and intimacy with those around you. If you haven't joined the life group, you can still hop on the train, all right? So if you are interested, feel free to email me and I will connect you with a life group, but we've been in this series, and uh, we've been dealing with different things that we're called to. So we start off talking about the fact that we are called to be loved, and this is the idea that by virtue of us being human beings created in the image of God, we are designed to be loved by God. We're designed. That's part of the fabric of who we are. So we're called to be loved. Then we talked about the fact that we're called to belong. So we weren't meant to be like ships independently sailing on this ocean called life. But rather we are meant to be uh, connected and belong to community. And so we talked about we're called to belong. Then last week we talked about the idea that we're called to become. Called to become, and in particular to become like Jesus Christ. There's a fancy theological word for that. It's called sanctification. And that's this process by which we start to look, think, and act the way that Jesus would look, think, and act. And so last week we talked about that we're called to become. This week we're going to talk about our calling to bless others. Our calling to bless others. And so we're going to talk about the fact that we were designed by God as people that have inherited the grace of Jesus Christ. We're called to bless others around us. That's part of the fabric of what it means to be a Christian. We are called not just to be blessed by the power of the gospel, but then in turn to bless others with the reality of the good news of who Jesus Christ is. And so we're called to be a blessing. Amen to that. Man, I, I love those powerful amens. You see, I used to preach in the black church. And man, they'd be shouting at you. So you give me a couple of amens, man. you going to see me. I'll start shouting up here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're called to bless other people. Now, let me tell you something. In order to bless other people, it requires for a moment for you to step out of a focus upon your own needs and your own world and to look outward to the needs of other people around you. That's a requirement to bless other people, to say for a moment, my needs are just going to be put on the shelf to the side so that I can look and minister and serve the needs of others. Now, this is not to say that your needs are insignificant or that your needs don't matter or that you shouldn't address your personal needs and challenges, but it's a sign of spiritual maturity where you can recognize and address the needs that you have while still meeting and serving the needs of those around you. Who here this morning has come to church and you have some challenges or needs in your life? Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, hallelujah, pastor. Um. Uh, Yes, we do. I have needs. I have challenges that I come to church with. But again, it's a sign of spiritual maturity that you are able to still bless others in the midst of the needs and the challenges that you are facing. And that's actually an image or a reflection of who Jesus Christ is. So I want to turn your attention to a scripture here. uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 7. All right, and we don't have our screen up here, so I'm going to read over here. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says, Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Thanks be to God. So in this passage of scripture, it gives us this model of, of choosing to serve and bless others. You remember we just now said in order to serve and bless others, it takes this moment where we take our needs and we just put them aside in order to look and serve the needs of others. It says here in the scripture, what are we? what's the attitude we're supposed to take with humility? Consider others better than ourselves. Now, Mind you, this is not to say that other people are better than you, but rather it's about taking a posture of servanthood in which you take the lower position in order to serve people. That's what Christ Jesus does. That's what's, it, it, what's image right there in scripture, that he was God, the fullness of God come in human flesh, and yet he comes as a servant to us people. Like, I don't know if you knew this, but um, God is not, uh, Jesus is not like, uh, you're not better than Jesus, Did you know that welcome to church 101 all right no but what does jesus do he takes on the posture of being a servant and in doing so he lives out the calling that of god for his life as well as he challenges us to do likewise and so the first thing we have to do is we have to recognize that you're gonna have to look beyond your own needs in order to bless and serve other people that's essential now, what's beautiful about this is that as you bless and serve other people, you start to, 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 to get a sense of satisfaction, joy, because you know why? Um, when you bless and serve other people, you're living according to what you were designed and created for. Like, how many of you had a moment where you served or you, you blessed someone, and as you served and blessed them, um, you felt that warmth at nighttime as you laid your head on the back, bed, uh, on the pillow, rather. You were like... Man, like, that was good. Like, yeah, because why? You know what? You made an impact on someone else's life. Now, when we say bless, you know, uh, the word to bless something, it means uh, technically to speak well of. That's what it means. It means to speak well. So if I bless something, I'm speaking well of it. But in the context of being a blessing, that's multifaceted. You can be a blessing by meeting people's physical needs. So like, you know, uh, when we're handing out our food on Fridays, we're meeting physical needs. So we're blessing the community, blessing our local region. Uh, You can be a blessing as you meet psychological, emotional needs. Even as you meet people's spiritual needs through prayer, through support, through comforting uh, with, with Scripture, you're meeting spiritual needs. So you're actually being a blessing to people around you. So you are called to be a blessing. This is what's modeled throughout the whole of Scripture. This is a challenge for us as believers. To bless others. As people who have received the blessing of God, now we go and bless others. Now, there's two important things to think about when we say, like, we're called to be a blessing. Um, You know, we bless others out of the overflow of gratitude. That's how we bless people, out of overflow. So it's not something that we, like, stir up. It's not something that we, like, we, like, we do like, in order to get points. Like, all right, I'm going to do something nice because I'm adding up points, whether with God or with them. That's not how this thing works. But rather, we recognize the goodness of God and how God's goodness has just been poured down onto us. Yeah. We recognize how God has blessed some of our business ventures. God has blessed some of our relationships. God has just blessed us by saving us and bringing us into uh, unity with who he is and out of that overflow, just blessing other people, just it like goozes out of us. Um, you know, I, in my field of study, like as a professor of, of religion, I inter- interact with many people of other faiths. Um, in particular, I have lots of conversations with Muslims. And, you know, in Islam, uh, there's this like point system that's going on. Uh, they, in fact, they call it deeds. And so for your, your typical Muslim, you're always trying to accumulate enough good deeds to be accepted by Allah. So you're, you're trying to make sure that you do the right things, you're kind to people, you're giving away a certain amount of money because you have this image in Islam that there's like almost like this bank in heaven that belongs to you. And every time you do a good deed, like change goes in there and it just fills up with good works. And you're hoping and praying that one day you will stand before Allah. And when you stand before Allah, he will look at this bank and he says, all right, you have enough good deeds in there to come into heaven. It's a point system. Christianity blows that out of the water the reason Christianity teaches something completely different is because in Christianity we've been blessed with salvation and the assumption is that we don't have to pay it back God doesn't actually ask us to pay it back he just takes joy in us receiving it it's actually a gift it's just a gift and so we not we don't do this thing of good works, and we don't do this thing of blessing others, hoping to add to our personal bank in heaven. We do it just because we're like God. You're so awesome. I can't do anything else other than just bless people around me. It just comes out. Amen. I love it. You guys are going into it. I love it. <laughs> so so this is the way that, that 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 Christianity is designed. And you know something? Even when you bless other people. You know how frustrating it becomes when you start tabulating and keeping points? Like I did something good and you're like sitting back like, all right, when is that good coming back to me? I'm waiting. Like you're, like any of you guys ever gotten into like a, an awkward gift exchange with someone? You know, like the awkward, you know, like like one year you got a gift from them, their birthday came around, you're like, well, I guess I gotta give them a gift, and then the next year they give you a gift, and it goes back and forth, and you're like, man, I don't really wanna get this gift. I'm just I feel like I have to. Like anyone, you know, I've been in that kind of, I, in fact, I've had arguments like, I'm not going to like, I give out the Christmas handshake now. I give out, I give a lot of those though. I give a hand up. But, but like, you know, like, and the thing is like, it's like a point system and it's almost restrictive. It's restrictive because at that point, it, it's no longer like this overflow of gratitude. It's just like a back and forth because you feel an obligation. And that's not a healthy thing. And it's, it's definitely not healthy when we start applying it to our faith and our service to others around us. And so, the first thing you have to know is that when you give, you're giving out of the overflow of gratitude for the gift of God in you the gift that He doesn't charge you for, that He doesn't ask anything in return for. It's just our joy. The second thing I want you to know is that uh, when you choose to bless and serve others, you all are ministers. You're ministers. You know, being a minister is not the person that stands actually behind a pulpit. Um, It's the person that is choosing to serve on behalf of God. In fact, in the word, in the scripture, you see the word servant. uh, That, in the Greek, that's diakonos. That's the word, diakonos, servant. It's the same word for minister. Servant and minister, same word. So what that means is that all of us, all of us are ministers, all of us are ministers, every single one of us. Uh, You may have another vocation. Maybe you're an accountant. So guess what? You're an accountant minister. You're a teacher minister. You're a business owner minister. You're a law enforcement officer minister. You're, You're bivocational at all times because by nature of being a Christian, you are called to serve and bless others around you. That means you're called to be a minister. You're a minister. And so, again, two things. I want you to remember as we talk about this calling of God to bless others is, one, we bless and serve others out of an overflow of gratitude. And also, we're all called to do it. We're all called to be ministers. In fact, our lead pastor, Pastor Phil, you know what his job is? His job is to equip you guys to do the ministry of the Lord. That's what his job is. His job is to inspire, to teach, to give you outlets by which you all might minister. That's the job of being a pastor. And so, those are two things. So now what we're going to talk about for a couple minutes is what are the results when you live a life in which you bless others? What can you expect? Now, now, mind you, let's frame this. Uh, there's going to be some benefits that come from living a life in which you serve others. But we don't serve others because of the benefits we don't do it because like, oh, I want one, two, three. I want all those. Let me get it. Uh, no, again, we do it out of our love for God and our love for others. It's just these benefits just naturally flow. They just flow into that. So what are some of the benefits? So benefits for, for, for blessing others. Um, blessing others will create joy in my life. Blessing others will create joy in my life. Um, can we go to the scripture there uh, from Proverbs? It says, the one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Proverbs 11.25. There's this idea that as you choose to bless others, it naturally attracts blessings towards you. It just flows to you. And, and, and there's a joy that comes. As we mentioned earlier, you know, so many of you, when you've actually had those moments where someone was in need someone needed your help, and you chose to give all yourself to be a blessing to them, there's that, like this, like, this warmth that just comes. Like, there's this, like, satisfaction that's just inherent in there. And I really believe that that satisfaction comes from the fact that when you choose to bless and serve others, you're choosing to do the work of God that you were created for. It says in Ephesians that we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So you were designed for this. And when you do what you were designed for, there's just this deep satisfaction that can't be replaced by how much money you have. It can't be replaced by by how much worldly success you have. It's a satisfaction because you're in line with what God has called you to do. You know, I've had the opportunity to talk to many, many older individuals and I'll tell you, when they're older and they talk about joy and satisfaction, uh, their joy and satisfaction uh, does not actually come from their bank account and their assets. Uh, the joy and satisfaction comes, one, from their relationships, having healthy relationships, and then, two, the ways in which they've served and blessed uh, people in their community. Like the ways in which they've given. They've, they've given to charities, uh, built schools, uh, bought supplies for sports teams, that's where they're getting their joy. And again, this joy comes from serving because you're doing the work of the kingdom. It's almost like the story of, of old dog and young pup. Have I shared that story? Old dog, young pup? Oh, great. I love sharing this story. I, I actually, I look, for oppor- I look for opportunities to share this story. <laughs> like, it's a little, a little illustration. So, old dog and young pup. So... There's this young pup, and this young pup was, was chasing its tail, and it was running in a circle trying to get its tail, and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning, trying to get the tail. It stops because it's out of breath. It takes a few deep gasps, and then it chases its tail again. And it's chasing full speed to get its tail, get its tail, get its tail. And then an old dog walks by, and the old dog says, Young pup, what are you doing? And the young pup stops, catches his breath, and says, I found the secret to the universe. The secret of the universe is that satisfaction is found in the tail. If I can just get to the tail, I'm going to be fully satisfied. And so the young pup starts chasing after his tail over and over again. And the old dog is looking and saying, young pup, young pup, young pup. And the old dog says, young pup, just chill out for a second. Just chill. And the old dog says, you know, young pup, you're pretty smart. You're right. I found out a long time ago, satisfaction is found in the tail. But you know what I also found out is that when I go about my master's business, I don't have to chase my tail. My tail chases after me. You see, when you go about the business of the Lord serving and blessing other people, satisfaction is going to find you. You don't have to go and find it. Amen, amen, amen. I remember when I was in seminary, um, the vice dean of the seminary came to one of our classes. And I was in a class, and most of these people were people that are trained to be missionaries and pastors. And um, he said, listen, there's going to be a day somewhere in your ministry, and you're going to be feeling just completely empty. And you're going to ask, where's God? Where's joy? Where's peace? Where's satisfaction? That's going to be you. When that day comes, he said, what you need to do is go and find a need, and find the people that are in need, and serve them, and you're going to find Jesus. I'll tell you, I found that to be true. It's because when I found that I'm consumed with my own needs, and my own struggles, and that's just the consumption of my life, my joy is robbed. But when I take a little breather... And I say, for a moment, I'm gonna give up of myself to meet the needs and serve others. All of a sudden, joy and satisfaction starts to flood my life. It's, I don't say this theologically, I say this from experience. Amen? amen. 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 So, second point here, second point, second result or benefit from blessing others. Blessing others will create healthier relationships. Blessing others will create healthier relationships. Now, this makes sense. This makes sense. And we see in the scripture in in Philippians chapter 2 how it says, don't do anything out of selfish ambition. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition um, or or vain conceit rather than humility. Value others uh, above yourself. So it talks about don't be selfish. But but here's the thing about... um, Why uh, serving others builds healthy relationships because inherent to serving and blessing others, it requires a a degree of selflessness. Because again, when you choose to serve and bless others for that moment, you have to take your attention off of yourself and put it onto others. So your attention focuses from self to others. And guess what? All of us can testify that we enjoy being around people that are not selfish. We, we like being around people that are generous. We like being around people that are not self-focused. We enjoy those types of people. Um, I, I, in fact, we get a little irritated when someone is completely self-consumed. I remember one time I was, I was on a bus going down to D.C. and By the way, I'm not a really good uh, co-passenger people. I'm not, I'm not a good co-passenger. The reason I'm not a good co-passenger is because at my route, I'm still an introverted person. So that means I recharge when I'm by myself. And uh, sometimes I have to do intense social things. It just wears me out. So like when it's time to like do traveling, like the stress of packing, uh, the stress of getting into the car, making sure you have your bags, checking in ticket lines, getting on bus, all that stuff is stressful for me. And so by the time I sit down, I just want to sit there quiet and just ignore everything and just, that's me. Like, like, I, Lord has had to deal with my heart to even, like, be like, to like, you know, like, I, I got convicted. Like, when you're on those opportunities, share the faith and preach the gospel, pray for people. That's really a struggle. That's like, that's a struggle. That's because I just want to sleep. I just want to stay still still. Well, guess what? Um, God, uh, he uh, decided to put the most talkative person in the world next to me. His name was Calvin Burgess, I still remember his name. for four hours, Calvin Burgess talked to me, and Calvin Burgess told me all about his life. He told me about his long-lost love in, in college. He told me about how he tried a business and it failed. He talked about how his, how his kids, this, they didn't like him. He talked about how he wanted to be a professional baseball player, but it didn't come out. Uh, like it didn't work out for him. He told me all about his life. And Calvin Burgess was one of those types of people that when he would, uh, when he would talk to you, um, he, everything turned back to him. Have you had those type of people? Like, he, like, like everything was about him. And so, like, like, when Calvin Burgess, like, asked you a question about you, it just came back to somehow it to him. He's like, oh, did you play sports in high school? Like, oh, yeah, I did. Well, I was an outstanding sports player in high school. Like, everything was about Calvin Burgess. And I started to realize after a while that um, I understood why Calvin Burgess didn't have a lot of good relationships. Because Calvin Burgess was just all into himself. Um, and so I started to realize, um, even on that short uh, bus ride, I was like, man, I can't wait till this bus ride is over, so I don't have to sit next to Calvin Burgess. <laughs> now, this is the thing. All of us actually know how to be self-centered and selfish. All of us do. You know, you didn't have to get taught that. Like, I, I, you know, I learned that by my—I mean, I learned selfishness early by myself. Like, I learned, like, if I get 10 cookies— It is better for me to keep all ten cookies than to give five away, because if I give five away, I only have five cookies. That's the mathematics of a five-year-old. We learn that on our own, but what we have to learn is how to actually be selfless. That's a journey of growth, to learn what it means to give away yourself, to live a life in which you are generous with your time, with your energy, with your resources. But when you choose to serve and bless others, being selfless, guess what? You start to see that people around you, man, you have favor with them. In the same way that if someone is selfless and generous with you, you give them your favor. And so one of the benefits of serving and blessing others is guess what? You're gonna have healthier relationships. You know, um, there's this story. Now, don't, don't take this uh, as theology. Don't take this as theology, but it's a story meant to, to make a point, and in the story, this man has an image of heaven and an image of hell, and so he gets to hell, and when he gets to hell, he sees this Table that is just arrayed with all types of foods and delicious uh, foods all over the table, plentiful it was abounding with just food and he saw all these people sitting around the table, but they were miserable, they were starving they were just they were just distraught in hell and he looked to see why were they distraught with all this food right in front of them and it was because he saw that all the people in hell had no elbows. They had no elbows, so their arms were locked out like this. So even though there's all this food, they couldn't bend their elbow to get the food to their mouth. And then he's whisked away, and he is taken to heaven. And when he's in heaven, he has a very similar image. And in heaven, he sees this banquet table that's arrayed with all types of food. And he looks around, and all the people are smiling. They're happy. They're full and he looks at really closely and realizes they also don't have elbows so he's trying to figure out what's going on but then when he saw them interact he realized the reason they are all satisfied happy and full is because although they didn't have elbows they actually chose to feed one another and so this selflessness made it so that the whole community was healthier and so when we look at Philippians, when it says, don't look to your own interests, but look to the interests of others. What happens is when we have a community in which everyone is intent to live a life in which they are blessing one another, the whole community gets to enjoy the satisfaction of that. Amen. Praise Jesus. Amen. Amen. So so let's go now to our third third our third point our third point our third result of blessing others blessing others will create a meaningful Life Blessing others will create a meaningful life. Let's look at Mark chapter 8, verse 35, one of my favorite scriptures, a scripture that challenges me every single time I read it. It challenges me even now in this moment as it's on the screen. It says, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. Those are some powerful and challenging words. Uh, The reason it's so challenging is because, again, because we didn't need to be taught selfishness. We're always, always gravitating geared towards holding on to our life. Like we want to hold on to our energy, hold on to our resources. We want to own our life. And you know what the, the scripture is challenging us is saying that um, when you try to hold it, you're going to lose it. But when you give away your life for the sake of the gospel, that's how you gain life. That's how you gain life in the life suke. Uh, it, it doesn't just mean biological life. It means like the fullness of life, meaning, meaning and purpose. And so in giving, in giving is how you actually gain and letting go is how you receive. And so when you choose to bless others, you're actually creating a meaningful life for yourself. You're creating, you're, you're giving yourself meaning. You know, on your last, when you have your last breath on earth, you're not going to think about, man, I kept so much of my life to myself. You're not going to be like, man, I kept it all. And I'm going with it all. It's all mine. No, no, no you're going to find meaning and satisfaction in how you spent your life and how you gave of your energy, gave of your time, gave of your resources. That's where you're going to get meaning. Meaning is going to come there. And so we're called to spend our life for the service of others, blessing others in alignment with the heart of God. That's what we're called. That's where meaning comes from. Meaning, you know, we, I, I preached some months ago about meaning, and I, I paired it with Ecclesiastes and the idea that um, when, when you live a life with a recogni- recognition that there's a God who sits above the sun, now you have meaning. Live your life with the re- realization that God is there, God is blessing, and God is watching. And you're going to see meaning you know, I went to a school in the Midwest called Wheaton College, and uh, there was a a famous missionary that came out of Wheaton College by the name of Jim Elliott, by the name of Jim Elliott. Um, Jim Elliott was a missionary to Ecuador, and uh, he went in a time before there was all this missiological research, um, and he kind of learned on the fly. He made some mistakes as a missionary from what we know now, but he went with the right heart, and you know, uh, Jim Elliott actually was killed for his faith in, in Ecuador. He, he died as a martyr. Um, and he has this, this, these famous journals that he wrote that outlined his faith and his just life experience and ministry. And he has this famous quote, and he says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he can never lose. You know, this life you can't keep. But man... Uh, gaining legacy in heaven, gaining uh, legacy in other people's lives, you can never lose that. You can't lose that. You're not going to be able to hold on to this life, but as you give, man, you're going to get something that can't ever be lost. It can never be lost. And, and that brings us to our, our final uh, result, is that blessing others will leave a legacy. Blessing others will leave a legacy. Let's look at this passage in Psalms. Psalms uh, 112 verse 6. Good will come to those who are generous and lend freely, who conduct their affairs with justice. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. They will be remembered forever. There's so many words in this in this passage I want to break down, but I'm going to focus on righteousness because justice, man, we could break that down in, in some interesting ways. But you know the word righteous, uh, the Hebrew concept of righteous is a little bit different than um, our modern understanding of righteous. A lot of us think righteous like kind of like this internalized like purity and holiness. Like someone that, that does right, uh, most, most of that kind of integrity, they do right in private, and, and they're just living a pure life. Um, there's an element of that, but the real focus of righteousness, the word right, is actually a communal word. Um, it's basically to be in right relationship with those around you. Um, one of the images for it is to have a hand that is always open, uh, meaning that you're always willing to give, all right? Um, and so when it says righteous, a righteous person um, is talking about someone who is actually generous to the community, blessing and serving those around them. That's a person that's going to be remembered. You know, all of you can probably think of people that blessed you. You can think of people that poured out into your life, that served you in such a way that left a legacy within you. They did something that made it so that you're actually still reaping the fruit of what they did. Maybe it was an the opportunity, the opportunity they opened to you. Maybe it was a kind word that they shared. Uh, maybe it was just an act of love in a time where you felt empty. You know, I remember when I was a teenager, I was part of a youth group. And uh, this group of singers came to the youth group. They weren't really good singers. Oh, yeah, they were really bad. They were really bad. Oh, gosh, bad. Uh, And there was this, afterwards we had like fellowship hour and there was this one guy that was, he was weird. He was just a weird guy. I can't, he was just weird. And I remember uh, he was down in the fellowship hall and he was, I guess he was a college student at the time. And he was just standing in the corner and he was just looking at me and he was going like, weird, just weird, not creepy, just weird. And I remember like when he was doing the, I was like, all right, my spot is over here because wherever you're weird. And I remember at one point, he came over to me. And I was like, who is this? What's he doing? Weird guy's talking to me. And I remember he said, he said you know what, man? God's got a calling on your life. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Uh, that's all he said to me. You know, I don't remember his name. I don't remember much more than he was just that weird guy that came as part of this singing group. But you want to know something? I think about that weird guy saying that word of blessing over my life at least once every three or four months. He left a legacy on me. Weird guy ducking his head in the corner said something to me that shaped my... Listen, every moment you guys are shaping people. You know that there's so many people you're leaving legacies for. You're, you're, you're impacting um, their lives in ways that will impact other people's lives, perhaps for generations to come, just by your action of blessing and serving them, just by blessing and serving them. You know, this earlier this week, I got to catch up with one of my very first uh, pastoral mentors, Reverend Charles Gilmore. We were talking, in fact, he might even be listening on live stream now, hopefully he is. Hi, Rev. But... Reverend Charles Gilmore, 78 years old, 51 years of ordained ministry. 51 years of ordained ministry, right? He's retired, but even now he is working in hospice care, giving comfort to people. In the midst of coronavirus, he's showing up, masked up, bringing comfort and truth and love to people. Because in his mind... um, When you're a minister, you don't just one day retire. You don't just hang up the hat of ministry. No, forever, you're a ministry. It just takes different forms. I remember the ways in which he encouraged and blessed me as a young up-and-coming pastor. He left a legacy within me because of his choice to bless and serve me. To bless and serve. All of you have the opportunity to minister and leave a legacy as you choose to bless and serve those in your sphere of influence. As I mentioned earlier, every one of you is bivocational. You're not just uh, a a worker for the city. You're a city worker and a minister. You're a teacher and a minister. You're a student and a minister. You're bivocational on all occasions, and you're gonna leave a legacy. But guess what? There's another legacy going on too. There's a legacy in heaven as well. You know, we leave a legacy on earth, but there's a legacy in heaven. And and that's a greater legacy. You know why? Because there's some of you that are going to serve and bless others in public ways. But then there's so many times that we bless others in the secret, hidden ways. And guess what? We know in scripture that our father who sees what is done in secret, he rewards those people. And, you know, I get this image of heaven one day. Again, don't take theology from it, but think of it as like a creative spiritual imagination. And I, and I mentioned that one day we'll be in heaven, and when we stand before God, there's going to be like, you know, it says there's going to be, a, he's going to give out rewards. He's going to give out thr- uh, these crowns, and we're going to get these crowns, and we're going to lay him back at his feet and say, God, this belongs to you because you're so great. You're so awesome. You're so wonderful that I can do nothing else other than just to give right back to you uh, just a portion of the goodness that you've given to me, and so there's going to be that scene, and, and when we're in heaven, we're going to see people like maybe a Billy Graham. He's going to go before God, and and, and God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and we're going to see Christians throughout the entire world, like clapping hands, like praise Jesus, Billy Graham, way to go, amen, and then we're going to see like maybe a missionary like Jim Elliott who died for the faith, and we're going to see uh, believers say like, man, Awesome, Jillian, Jim Elliott. I'm one of the descendants of the people that came to faith in that village. Praise God for you. And they're going to clap really wild. Um, we're going to see uh, Pastor Phil Cholian, and he's going to go before God, and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, and all North Jersey Vineyard. and going to be like, yeah, Pastor Phil, he's the man. And then all of a sudden, you're going to hear Edith Smith. And when we hear Edith Smith. Everyone's going to be like, who's Edith Smith? Edith? Do you know Edith? I don't know. Do you know Edith? Uh, and all of a sudden, um, all the angels in heaven are going to stand up and they 're going to give this roaring applause that 's going to echo through all eternity. I 'd be like, what 's going on? Because Edith Smith chose to serve others when God told her. Edith Smith was praying for that one neighbor for all those years. Edith Smith, uh, at the end of the month, didn 't have much money, but she gave her ten dollars to support the food bank. Uh, Edith Smith uh, was there when people needed a shoulder to cry on. Edith Smith spent her life for the kingdom work of Jesus Christ and all of heaven knew about it. All of heaven knew about it. I say this to let you know that we bless others in service to God Recognizing we're leaving a legacy on earth and in heaven. Listen, this thing is the real deal. You want to find joy? You want to have healthier relationships? You want to see a meaningful life leaving a legacy? Think beyond yourself and bless and serve others around you. Think beyond yourself and choose to bless others around you. And you're going to be able to reap all those benefits. Now, this morning, I want to pray for two people. I want to pray for two people as we go into prayer. You know, some, some of you, uh, maybe this morning, you feel a little dry. You feel a little dry. Uh, this whole idea of, like, again, serving out of the overflow. Serving out of the overflow. You're like, man, I, I don't have this overflow happening. And if that's you, I want to pray that, that the Lord God would give you a fresh dose of his spirit. A fresh dose of gratitude for what he's done and who he is. I want to pray for you. And then I also want to pray for some of you who are like, man, this whole idea of serving as a as a result of the blessing of God, like I'm not sure if I get that yet. Maybe you've never come to a realization of the blessing of who God is. You have never come to a place where you said, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're the one that saves me from my sin. You're the one that I'm choosing to follow. That's called, in in Christianity, call that salvation. Maybe that's you. You've never come to that place. And if that's you, I want to pray for you as well. I want to pray that you'd have that encounter. And so wherever you're at, I ask you to bow your hearts. And I, you always hear me say bow your hearts because at the end of the day, uh, God is more concerned with the disposition of our heart than the, the posture of our body. Um, so bow your hearts with me here as we just pray before the Lord. And so, Most High God, I just thank you for the people gathered here. I thank you that you are the living God, that you are the worthy one, Lord God. I thank you, Lord God, that you bless us with your good gifts, Lord God. And, Lord God, that as you bless us, you call us to be a blessing to those around us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that even now, Lord God, that you would your people with a fresh fire, with a fresh understanding of who you are, that you would fill your people with a fresh vitality to serve, to bless those around us, Lord God? Would you give your people the energy, the resources, Lord God, and the passion to be your hands and your feet in a broken world, Lord Jesus? Come, Spirit-living God. Come in power, come in authority, come in the fullness of who you are, Lord God. And so, Lord God, we remember, Lord God, that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and we can't do it without you. And so, Lord God, with our hearts bowed, Lord God, our hands open, we say, fall on us. Fall on us. Fall on us, Lord. And if you're that person that you're like, I've never, ever had this encounter that you're talking about. I don't know what it means to be even a follower of Jesus. I just showed up here looking for something, feeling empty. If that's you, we want to pray that God will fill you. And I would say, pray in your own words after me. Most high God, I love you. Most high God, I need you. I thank you that you died on that cross. And Lord God, in doing so, you took my sin upon you. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my hope, Lord God. All in you, Jesus. In the name of Christ I pray, amen, 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 amen. Praise be to God. Uh, If any of you prayed to receive Christ or to dedicate your heart back to him, I'm going to ask you to do something bold here. I want you to text the word FOLLOW to the number 201-584-7188. We'd love to reach out to you and stay connected with you. We want to stay connected with you and encourage you uh, just in what God was doing by his spirit with you guys this morning. Uh, did you guys feel blessed this morning? Amen. 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 So guess what? I want you guys to go and be a blessing to those around you this week. I want you to have a heart in which you're looking outward to the needs around you and being God Christ's hands and feet. I want to let you guys know we do still have prayer ministry. And so if you need prayer... You need encounter. You need someone to walk with you and agree with you in faith. Um, You can come over here to my right, and there are going to be people there to pray with you. So go in the peace and the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Go encourage and strengthen and know that your God is for you. And if God is for you, then no one can be against you. Amen.